We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, and it's a two-man show tonight. I'm being joined by producer extraordinaire Dallas, a.k.a. Dammer, Dallas Hammer. How's it going? You're actually at the game, right? Yes, I was at the game. Um, I wish I hadn't been. It was pretty rough, but uh, I'm also I'm running on like four hours of sleep. Uh, I am moving as of tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. So uh, this is the last time anybody's going to see all these boxes behind me, hopefully. And uh, I'm going to be probably pretty punch drunk through most of this. So my apologies for my bad takes in advance. We don't have to preface bad takes. They just come. And you guys, we got to apologize. It's not exactly instant reaction. I was in Denver I had uh, the privilege or opposite of privilege in the ads, Patrick. Fastest instant reaction yet. Oh, yeah. Believe me, we can do worse. But anyway, I was out of town. So I got to watch this game from midnight uh, until 1 o'clock. And then when I woke up before my flight, I finished the second half at 6. So did some. there was some some research that went in. We both saw the game. We Both Dallas and I are going to be uh, pretty similar, I think, where we land on this. Uh, spoiler alert. But... It's Around the Bar Time, brought to us by Hughes River Expedition and uh, one of our favorite listeners, Colin, Colin Hughes. Thank you, as always. So if you missed the game, University of Montana comes into Moscow for the Little Brownstein game. Third installment since Idaho rejoined the Big Sky back in 2018. And somehow the Little Brownstein is staying in it's the only home it's known in the 21st century. It's staying in Montana. The... Uh, Grizzlies handle Idaho 34 to 14. We're going to give you a couple stats really quick, but uh, spoiler alert, we're kind of at the point with Idaho where stats almost don't matter. But for the sake of giving people a basic idea, Idaho scores on its opening drive, is up 7-0, does not score until their second to last drive. So we give up 34 points over the course of the rest of the game. Wasn't really a contest, particularly after half. Uh, we, we split quarterback reps again with uh, Giovanni McCoy getting the passing attempts. He went eight for 18 with 100 for 123 yards, got his first touchdown, but also threw two picks. Zach Borish, again, uh, took uh, took more than 15 snaps at quarterback, uh, ran for 14 of them. He ran for uh, fi- 54 yards on 14 attempts. Um, also was one of one the passing game for 22 yards. But other than that, really uh, – Chris Brown from Montana, who Grizz fans were so terrified. One of the – sorry, filibuster you, Dallas. Uh, a Grizz fan podcast producer who – not producer, co- contributor. He might be Mike Nugent. I don't want to out him, but let's just say there's a chance he's Mike Nugent. He messaged me prior to the game, hoping to find out Idaho's corners were still injured because uh, he was so concerned about how bad Chris Brown has been in Montana. Uh, Chris Brown had a pretty nice game. 19 to 34. He's the the freshman starter for Montana since Cam Humphreys went down. 19 to 34, 256 yards to the air, one touchdown. And after that, a uh, long intro, Dallas. Tell us the story you're going to stick to for this game. Um, my story that I'm going to stick to for this game is that I actually got to meet 
the lovely Colin Hughes for a couple minutes before the game. That was the highlight of the game. I wish I could just black out the rest of it. That's that's literally my story. Um, it was deflating, uh, I, I think, is the best word I've got for it. Um, the atmosphere in the Dome was the exact opposite of electric. Uh, the Idaho fans may have been outnumbered by the Montana fans, at least on the alumni side. It was not awesome. Uh, the students chanted a, uh, like like I tweeted, it's it rhymes with Duck Petrino. Uh, chanted that multiple times at the in the beginning of the game. The second it was seven seven, the chant started, uh, and from there, it already felt like well, this game's pretty much over. the The energy was gone. The team felt lifeless. That's the story of this game and the story, unfortunately, I think of this season is it just feels like things are, are, we're stuck in the motions and we're showing up to the games, the diehards of us at at least, and we're all kind of expecting the same thing. That first scripted drive is going to go well. And from there on out, the other team is going to handle the game for 50 to 55 minutes, depending on how much the first drive takes Idaho. That's the story of the game to me is once we got off script, it just fell apart. For me, it's this game was not quite. So look, now I got to tell listeners now, I, I'm sorry about interrupting myself twice. The opinions today are absolutely those of Brian and Dallas. Uh, please don't consider these the opinions of all the contributors to Tubbs or Tubbs as some sort of unified force. It's Brian and Dallas show. That's it. Absolutely. So, uh, send hate mail to us, please. I welcome it, actually. Yeah, the Eastern game, the seventy-one twenty-one game from uh, previous week, that was the most obvious. The team is not in it. Uh, the team is not behind the coach game I will ever see in my life. This game wasn't completely like that, but it certainly had elements of an Idaho team being deflated. I, I thought it was confusing because, now, first off, we got some of the typical chaos we've seen where, this season where Zach Borish looks great opening drive. He didn't get a touchdown. Andre Carter got the touchdown. Zach Borish had uh, a pretty big run. Uh, that was kind of the basis of, of that drive. We also had, there's also personal foul that helped out But Idaho gets 75 rushing yards on its first drive. We of course then pull Borish out, which is, is really frustrating to me that the quarterbacks don't seem to be getting any sort of rhythm uh, where we're going back and forth. I felt that early in the season with when we shifted from like Beaudry to Borsch, it did kind of work. I don't think the McCoy to Borsch thing works. Uh, McCoy looks like he's got a ton of talent. I don't think he's, he's quite ready yet, but I'm the, the shifting we're doing right now is not helpful, but first half Idaho tried to run Montana. They just tried to run it down Montana's throat. And after the first drive, Montana was fine with that. After the first drive, Idaho had 13 total yards. The announcers even commented throughout the game that Idaho was not even trying to run around the outside because they presumably didn't believe they had the ability to stop Montana's speed on the outside. We just ran it up the middle a ton. And I'm going to research a quote in a minute that is going to relate to this. But first half, we try, we're, we're doing the thing that on the show we've been frustrated a ton about where it seemed like the game plan was just a dumpster fire. So, of course, we're down uh, you know, at the, at the end of the first half. Dallas, you can look up whatever we were down by. Second half, we started to throw, but by the second half, it didn't matter because our line could not protect McCoy against Montana's front seven. There's just no no chance. So 
Uh, first half, it was frustrating because we didn't change game plan. Then we didn't, it didn't matter. And yes, Montana, Jackson had brings up Montana had great adjustments, but their main adjustment is just, they were better than us. Um, I don't feel like we, we had, you know, there's some position groups we're going to talk about where you might say the effort was frustrating again, or the strategy is frustrating again, but it wasn't the same as Eastern. Montana just outclassed us and they were reeling heading into this game, Dallas. I, I want to circle back to the, the, the adjustments piece. Um, and it, it is it is getting frustrating to watch. Uh, so, I was joking with some guy in the there. You know, there were only a, a handful of Vandal fans that even stuck around towards the second half. Uh, it it really did empty out at the end of the second when when they kicked that field goal to make it twenty to seven. It just kind of it it really felt like it was over at that point. There was no way Idaho's offense had looked listless uh, after that first drive, and it, it just it felt like it wasn't going to happen. Um, I was joking with the guy behind me, like, what is this? Like throwing past the sticks on third down, Montana would get into third and six and third and seven and throw it past the sticks because the, the secondary is eight yards off, which I get it. You know, they're, they're at the first down line. It like it makes sense in those situations. Then it would come to third and two, same thing. Their eight yard cushion. They run a three yard out with, with Sammy Akem and boom, first down. And it just kept happening over and over and over and over. While Idaho, on the other hand, is getting themselves into second and long and third and long and then running quarterback sweeps or not even attempting a screen, just throwing a four-yard, five-yard out on third and long. And it just it it felt like the kids aren't being put in a ability to succeed. Like, I know that this is a full team and everybody has their part to play. But the coaches have to put kids in in situations to succeed when they execute, and it doesn't feel like that. And that's why, I, like again, this is the Brian and Dallas show right now. Like these opinions are not necessarily all of those from every Tubbs contributor. The what six of us that there are, it just doesn't feel to me like the coaches are are doing the right things. Uh, you see Montana doing the right things. It's third and seven. Let's throw the ball eight yards. Let's get that first down. I don't see that out of Idaho. And that was, it, it's really frustrating when you see uh, Jack throw that in there. Uh, great adjustments by Montana. They did. They were doing the right things. They understood what they could do to move down the field and have success. And it just, it really was just watching the ball run up the middle time and time again. I mean, we saw Boris throw once completed the pass it was great and then he doesn't get to throw it again and every time he goes in there everybody knows it's going to be a read option and either it's going to be Roshan or Andre or whichever running back up the middle or it's going to be Borish up the middle and we successfully did that to 2.1 yards of carry and that's a winning recipe for football games you know it's funny you say that Dallas because I found the quote I was looking for this is uh Paul Petrino being quoted in it's either the Argonaut or it's in all van or it's in uh, go vandals. The, I'm looking at the screen capture, but it, it's, it's absolutely one of the uh, recaps of the game. That is half the reason Tubbs at club was started because you know, we lose by hundred. And if you read the recap, you'd have no idea we lost. But anyway, here's a quote from Paul Petrino uh, talking about the two quarterback situation. When Zach was in, they started to go to cover zero and they started to put everybody down around the line. Coach Petrino said, when that's the case, you need to break tackles and block really well. There were a couple of times where we were really close to having good plays and we hurt ourselves. Dallas, I got a quiz for you. If a team's in cover zero because they know you're going to run it every single time, 
do you have an option other than blocking really well and overcoming a more physical team? Or is that, is what Petrino said just the case? Like, look, you just have to, when they, when they have the box stacked, you just have to out block them to get that two yard game. Is there any other option we could look at? I might not be the person to ask because for a long time, Jared Goff was my pro team's quarterback and no, in cover zero, there was no other option. It was just take the sack or run it up the middle to answer this seriously. Yeah. Throw it over the top. If you're in cover zero, come on, just throw the goddamn ball. It, it, it's maddening. It was in the Argonaut. I know, I know the quote you're referencing. It's maddening to hear a coach say something like that. When you should know damn good and well, you can throw the ball. That's how you avoid that. Call a quick slant. Call. I, I don't care what you call. Make them think you're going to throw the ball. They can't run cover zero if you're going to throw the ball. It, it, it's not going to work. Like, no, We've talked about the talent we have at receiver, and we have seen guys like Therese Trainer, guys like Mekhi Stevenson look great in moments. Now, Therese Trainer's stats have fallen off a cliff the last few games since uh, Beaudry quit playing, which doesn't mean – and Beaudry's injured. He didn't quit playing. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Trainer. It means he's not getting opportunities. But he had, Trainer had the 22-yard catch from Zach Borish. You might not believe it because Petrino won't let him pass at all. Borish is 6 of 9 on the season. He actually has fine passing stats. That doesn't mean now that doesn't mean if you pass, he's a guy you want passing 35 times a game or anything like that while Dallas looks up the stats. But the sample size we have is he's absolutely okay. He has not thrown a pick this season. He's completing two out of every three passes. Petrino just talked about a situation we saw against Montana Tun. The box is stacked. What do you do? Well, if you're Montana, you throw it. If you're any over 500 team in the big sky, you throw it. But if you're Idaho, no, dude, just keep running it up the middle. Uh, Dallas, what do those stats say for us on the season? For uh, yeah, for our listeners, Zach Borish is 6 of 9 on the season, 126 yards, one touchdown. It's it's obviously the smallest sample size. Beaudry has 110 passes. McCoy has 32. CJ has 31. Borish has just 9. But he does have the highest completion percentage of the quarterbacks. Now, I do – look, I I love Zach. I think – he is an electric talent and he's fun to watch. I will be the first guy to admit, yeah, his throwing motion is not phenomenal. He doesn't look like a quarterback out there, but he is the most electric athlete on the field. Tim Tebow was one of the greatest college athletes of all time, and he looked like he was shot putting the football every time he threw it. Like, you don't have to have this impeccable motion and look like you're an NFL quarterback to succeed, especially at this level. Guys that are athletes can succeed, and it, it, it is not to go on a rant here, but it, it's maddening that that Boris does not get to throw it more because his his, his numbers don't lie. He, he's doing a fine job of it. I mean, he's he's doing fine. I don't care about like he he's getting enough pace on it. He gets the ball far enough. He's completed a, he's completed a good number of long passes this season. I don't know why there isn't trust, especially when the sample size against Montana's was one for one. But anyway. We just read you the quote from Petrino. He's seen the same things we were seeing, but we just keep running up the middle. We said we weren't going to talk about stats that much because they didn't matter. I'm going to close the book on stats so we can transition to other, to other parts of, of the game. Um, Idaho, 242 yards of total offense against Montana. Two parts to that. Montana looked dominant again. Uh, Montana is a very good football team. And if you're if any team in the big sky is going to beat them, they either need to have what Sac first off, Sacramento State looks good. But Sacramento State last week when they beat Montana, 
certainly didn't get Montana's best shot. They had Montana had a ton of guys out for injury on the defensive side. Those guys were back against Idaho. That's part of why Montana looks much more ferocious, particularly in the second half, getting to Giovanni McCoy. But second, 242 yards is not going to beat anyone in this league. And Idaho, we can't just, we, we just, we've talked about this on the show a thousand times. We can't have an offense like this. I know we're down to four string Giovanni McCoy. McCoy is a talented quarterback. We're, we're happy that dude's on the team. He looks like there's potential. He's obviously not ready yet, but Dallas just not going to beat anyone at 242 yards. I'm ready to quit talking about stats for this game. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I do want to preface that Idaho was on their third string quarterback that isn't trusted to throw the ball for whatever reason. Uh, we have multiple sources saying that in practice he's allowed to throw and he does run normal plays and then game comes around and it's just the, the read option again and the playbook is just shuttered. That's frustrating. Then we're down to the fourth string quarterback who, again, I think McCoy can be a very good player here. He looks like he looks the part. He stands in the pocket and takes huge shots, and unfortunately, that's kind of just the the defense of Montana. But he he stands in the pocket. He guns like his two games are against two of the top probably ten teams in the nation. So, yes, it is tough to win when you're down to your third and fourth string quarterbacks. But I always circle back to whose fault is that? The when all quarterbacks are running and they're not just pocket passers that are taking gentle sacks they're running and getting hit what's going to happen that that's it's it's something that i cannot say we can't blame coaching for and i know i just circle back to coaching at all points because i'm just so frustrated by it at this point but it's tough to say well it's unfair you know the he's down to his third and fourth string quarterback of of course they're going to struggle on the on the offense yeah but how many years in a row have we had two three four five guys have to play quarterback because they're always hurt at the end of the day, when this is, what, the fourth season in a row that there's been five seasons in a row, actually, I guess. Linehan was healthy in 2016, and that was about it. It's it, it just – there's a time for excuses, and there's a time to have a little bit of self-reflection. And that self-reflection is maybe if the quarterbacks are always hurt, maybe the system isn't working. Anyways, I digress, Brian. I will let you take the conversation where you want it. I just wanted to get that out there because I, I've i heard it from people. Of, well, yeah, of course, they're down to the third-string quarterback, the fourth-string rookie. It's not an excuse anymore. We talked last week when we say I. I said after Eastern's game, after the Eastern-Washington game, Idaho is officially on dumpster fire watch. And our dumpster fire watch right now, since leading Portland State 35-7 to in the first half, second quarter in, of homecoming, Idaho has been outscored 133 to 42 over 10 quarters in a few minutes. That is more than half of our big sky conference season, Dallas. That that's what I mean when I say we're it's not even worth talking about stats almost at this point. Yeah, I know I just referenced a stat, but Idaho is just we're, we're getting decimated in the secondary. That our secondary has looked Simon Fraser-esque since the second half of Portland State, and we just haven't stopped that. We have the cushion of death we talked about. It just doesn't go away. But I want to talk about the health of the program right now. In three games since returning to the Big Sky, Idaho has been outscored by Montana. And Montana's, the for 
Idaho faithful, Montana's a measuring stick in the big sky. We, we don't really care about how Idaho stacks up against Northern Colorado. Well, we shouldn't, but at this point we should because of where we are. But Montana's one of the teams that top the big sky. They're one of the schools that when we talk about teams that might move to the FBS, those are the schools we want to kind of be locked in with, whether it's making the big sky stronger or starting something in the future. And Montana in three games. Idaho has been outscored 122-58. to 58. That's 46-27 2018, 42-17 in 2019, 34-14 this season. And attendance. Dallas has the Montana Ooh. comparison. Uh, but I want to bring up first point one. Idaho's homecoming, we had 7,034 people against Portland State. Against Montana, and this is with a half the place filled Grizz fans, we had 6,059. That's two, our two biggest home games of the year combined for not even 80% uh, capacity Kibbe Dome. Dallas, what is the comparison for Montana this year versus 2018? So this year, 6,059 for our our, our listeners that uh, obviously don't have the visuals. This year, 6,059 in attendance. In 2018, 14,571. So in the span of three years, we lost 8,500 people between the first Grizz game back in the Big Sky to this season. And that, that to me is... I, I've I've seen and I've heard things about you know this is this is what happens when Idaho goes from the FBS to the FCS and I get it like there's a very large contingency of fans that wish we were still in the FBS and if we had a home I'm going to refer to Idaho as we if we had a home like the Mountain West absolutely I would I would kill to still be in the FBS but unfortunately this is where we're at it didn't happen the decisions were made they went back down this is where we're at this is probably where we're going to be. Maybe we get a Hail Mary shot at like CUSA, like New Mexico State is hoping for. Maybe something happens, but realistically, this is where we're at. To say that the 6,000 people in attendance and, and the, the, the dwindling attendance of this entire 2021 season, I mean, homecoming was what, less than 8,000. To say that that's because they're in the big sky, that's, that's absolutely not true. We go back to 2018, there were 14,500 people there. Like, that was a pretty packed dome. And what's the difference between 2018 and 2021 losing season after losing season after losing season after losing season and i think that says everything we need to know about why people aren't showing up to these games anymore i mean more than double attendance in 2018 for what was a bloodbath 46 27 and if we look at it it was 36 to 6 at halftime that game was over very 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 quickly but people showed up because people still cared. And at this point, it doesn't seem like anybody cares but the diehards. Because again, probably half of this 6,000 was was Montana fans. And it's just, it's tough to see this. I know that it sucks that, that we're not in the FBS anymore. And there are people that are truly livid about that. And I completely understand it. I get it. But at the end of the day, we almost packed this dome for the first Montana game. And here we are four seasons into the big sky. And this is, this is what we get 6,000 people for the rivalry game. No, and you know, you have the fans, you have students and by the way, at least the students care enough to do chanting. We have students chanting F Petrino like to at the beginning of the game. I, I don't know what other barometer for health you need to, to have the SOS transition time is here. I mean, look, we, we're not going to out anyone as a source, but we, we have multiple sources selling us the same thing. 
the the team is fading in terms of uh, be, being there for Petrino. Uh, we really hope that we're looking at a transition uh, as quickly as we possibly can. But Dallas, I, I'm we, we had to keep this one short because obviously uh, if we're recording this late on Sunday, guys, uh, you know, uh, listeners know that uh, we're making this fit in. But I, I talked to Coulter Nuanas after the game, and he told me Idaho is the most confusing team to figure out in, this, in the Big Sky. And the the they're really not. You just figure out Petrino has he has nine years. He has one winning season, guys. He doesn't know what he's doing. That's it. He's better than he's better than Rob Akey dumpster fire for sure. But he's probably I th- I have no problem saying he's bottom two coach in the Big Sky Conference at this point. But Coulter Nuanas told me his takeaway from watching Idaho. It's preposterous that Idaho's bad. Idaho talent wise is if they're not top three, they're top five in the conference. They Idaho has aggressive, tough guys on the defensive end, particularly linebackers and and our our D line. We have speed at receiver. We've got talent at running back. Yeah, we've got to get the quarterback things figured out. But we're not the only team struggling with quarterback guys. We just went over Chris Brown, been terrible for Montana. This is his best game so far. And before Chris Brown, Cam Humphrey wasn't that great. Montana State's undefeated. Matt McKay has mostly been good this season, but he's had some pretty rough games too. Weber State is compl- is mostly now that Bronson Barron's back, they might be okay quarterback wise. But Weber State has been lost at quarterback. Northern Arizona just figured out halfway through the season. R.J. Martinez is the guy. Likely uh, Sacramento State going down zero forty four zero is different. But the barometer I'm going to point to. Idaho is below Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado has two big sky wins right now. Idaho has one. Northern Colorado has three FCS wins. Idaho has one. Now we get to play Southern Utah, so maybe we'll we'll add that notch. But right now, Idaho fans do not they do not have permission to make fun of Northern Colorado. We lost to Northern Colorado last time we played them in 2019, and we are below Northern Colorado in the big sky standings right now. And honestly, the McCaffrey, if you listen to guys like Coulter, if you listen to people follow the big sky, the McCaffreys have been a dumpster fire in at Northern Colorado. And Idaho, an objectively more talented team, is behind them in the standings. It I, I want to go back really quick, Brian. You mentioned you know that we have sources that are, are telling us things. I do want to reiterate, we are never going to give that information away. Uh the like people tell us things in confidence and allow us to say them you know, anonymously, but we're not going to use names. The reason, at least for me, uh, the reason I have been so strongly, it's time to move on from the coach is because we have multiple completely unrelated sources that have told us, Hey, look, there's, there's some real internal tur- turmoil. There like, there are players that are outright miserable. There are, there are players that are just not happy to be here anymore. And that sucks. Like at the end of the day, they're student athletes. They're kids that are either on scholarship and are here to play football, or they're not on scholarship and they're here for the love of the game and people are miserable and it sucks. And so that's a large part of why a lot of my discussion points are always coming back to, I'm not happy with the coaching. It's one thing if the results are different, if Idaho flipped this record on its head and went five and two and players are unhappy and things aren't great behind the scenes, well, you're still five and two. Like, you know, it is what it is, but 
and that, that sucks. It's a it's a shitty thing to say, but that, it's it's what it is. When the results are are the way they are, and obviously seventy one twenty one, and it was thirty four to seven until the absolute end of garbage time. These these results are backing up the things that we're told that the team is just done with this guy. And that's, that's why we continue to reiterate this. And I just wanted to make that clear because it's, it it seems like it's easy to fall back on saying, well, fire the coach, but there's really nowhere else to go. Like Brian, you said, there's, there's one winning season in nine years. And I know inherited a dumpster fire from Rob Akey, that whole situation of, Aki being in a conference that fell apart and Petrino having to, you know, there's independence into the Sun Belt back to maybe independent to the big sky. I understand that there's all these different points that are making things difficult to do your job. But in nine years, one winning season, it, it, it speaks for itself. We've been in the big sky for four years now. Like how many, how many of these teams that have, that we're playing have had coaches for four years or less and completely turned it around. And here we are stuck in neutral winning four to five games a year and, and we might not even get there this year no dude that, that's the point to bring it to to bring it to is i don't even for for our discussion right now about idaho and the big sky i actually don't care about idaho and the sun belt i care about our four seasons in the big sky and your comparison it took troy taylor a season to turn sac state from worst to first sure there's variables but he went from one year in tw- from 2018, they're the worst team in the league. 2019, they tie for winning the league. And 2021, they're winning the league right now. Sac State, yeah, they benefit from the easy sell schedule, but they, they've won the games they played. That's all you can do. They just shut out Northern Arizona 44 to 0. We lost to Northern Arizona last time we played them in the spring. Jeff Choate in Mon- at Montana State took him a few years to turn that program around. Hey, Jeff Choate almost beat 2016 Idaho in his first season, that Montana, mm-hmm. Montana state team was bad. Bobby Howe inherited a good program. Uh, I mean, Montana fans are upset about it when, you know, this last season, like six and five, something like that, which sounds like a, absolutely. That sounds like utopia, but it took him two seasons to get Montana from underperforming to final eight in the big sky. Sorry, not big sky in the FCS. Good Lord. Yeah. Final eight in the FCS. Jay Hill, it took him a couple years at Weber, and now they've won four championships in a row. It doesn't take four seasons of treading water, and we're actually trending in the opposite direction now. If you combine the spring and this season, which those two combined for more than an entire season, Idaho is 4-9 and nine in the, the games we play in 2021. We're, we're just going in the opposite direction. There's, there's, I, don't, I don't see another barometer to look at. If if the the argument initially could have been we're slowly trending up because like in 2019 we did look better than we did in 2018, yep. and in 2021 the initial interpretation was well it was a weird season and we were two and four but I think the jury is in on how to interpret spring guys all the teams that looked surprisingly good in the spring are not looking good in the regular season and it's because all those surprising teams got to play each other a ton Idaho State's not looking good Southern Utah who they were kind of like us ton of close games. No, Southern Utah, like they were, they were fool's gold, no question. And Idaho is fool's gold too. We brought, again, brought up the stat. We've been outscored 133 to 42 in our last 10 quarters and change. I, I don't know what else. There, I, there's no other way in my mind to interpret this. We're trending backward in year nine. There, so, yeah, we're, you got anything else you, you want to go over, Dallas, talk about, circle back to the game? Because, I, I mean, I think we both made ourselves clear. 
about where we are. And by the way, just that's just Brian and Dallas. Exactly. I, I do want to clarify that this is Brian and Dallas. This is our opinion. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that the other guys at Tubbs at the club mean have the same thoughts. They may or they may not. It's the, it's on them to express them as they may fit or as they may see fit. Um, the the one thing I do want to say is again, this is the fourth year in the Big Sky, and I know that like COVID has made eligibility so weird, but most players in without COVID times have five years tops. So it's not like these guys are still moving from the Sun Belt to the big sky and having to adapt from the the physicality of the Sun Belt to the big sky was sort of quarterback driven. And now it really just seems like Barry is the guy and everybody else kind of wins with, with defense for the most part. But that transition is over. This is year four. Most of these guys were recruited to play in the big sky. And so I want to get that out there. But to go back to this Montana game, like – the problem here is there is no progression. I mean, 2018, 46-27. 2019, 42-17. 2021, 34-14. Same results every single time. They are getting outscored by 20 every single time. And it's it, at, at one point, it's like, okay, well, there's obviously different players every single season Mason Petrino is not the quarterback anymore. And you know, we used to make all these dead horse jokes about daddy ball and all the things that, that people would joke about on Twitter. And here we are. Same results, completely different team. And it, it's just, it's tough to watch. It's just unfortunate. It, it sucks when you see Montana and, and how passionate that fan base is and how successful that program is. And it's tough to, to watch Idaho go out there and get pummeled every single time they play this team that should be our biggest rival. I know, I know it's weird. We didn't play them for 20 some years or I think it's just the one off, but anyways, they weren't a conference opponent for 20 some years. It's tough to try to be excited about the big sky and be excited about what, what the state of Idaho football is and what it's going to be. I mean, realistically, this team's going to be in the big sky for a long time, like get used to it. Maybe some Hail Mary shot comes, but realistically, these are the teams we're playing. So it's time to get over it, and it's time to understand, look, shit happens. This is where we're at. It's just it's tough to realize how far we still have to go to even be truly competitive. I got to circle back to things before we close it out, Dallas. First, you're correct to bring up the variables for Idaho. Can we quit bringing up COVID as a thing for Idaho? Every single – that's not a correction for you. That's just because I that is a thing that gets brought up. It got brought up in the Zach Kloss era that, well, hey, he had to deal with coronavirus stuff. Every single institution had to deal with the coronavirus time. Every school in the Big Sky made the choice to play in the spring or sit it out. Every team that played in the spring had to deal with managing their players for health in this season. Every team that didn't play had to deal with managing, keeping their guys in shape and keeping them sharp with the long delay. Sacramento State didn't play. They're doing fine. Montana State didn't play. They're doing fine. Eastern played. They're doing fine. Weber State played. Now, maybe Weber State is one of the examples you look at in the spring and say, hey, this may have been a net negative for them because of injuries or something like that because they have had quarterback and running back problems. But Weber just beat Eastern. Weber is in great position to run the table and still make the playoffs in a down year for them. That's pretty fine. I know that's not the case. Second, got to bring up, we referenced progression. 
Idaho is, st- is averaging 24.3 points a game in Big Sky, right around where we've been the whole time. We've said on the show for three years, if you're not scoring around 30 points, it's hard to expect you to win games. Points were, gi- points were given up. Right now, Idaho is worst in the league uh, in points allowed, 41.8. But let's pretend the Eastern game wasn't the dumpster fire it was. We can't because it was. But if you subtract the Eastern game, Idaho's giving up 32 points per game which is not the worst in the league. It is the fourth worst in the league. But still, even if you take away that gigantic loss, we're still there's still an eight-point gap between what Idaho's scoring and what we're giving up, which takes us right back to that same point. If we can't score around 30, don't expect to win, you, unless you have an elite defense, which we clearly don't have. So I, I think that's, that's enough to wrap up at least the Montana part. We uh, we have Northern Arizona to preview in, in a couple days. That's going to be wild uh, to see to have any idea about. You know, Northern Arizona had been looking good. They just lost forty four to zero. Good lord, uh, maybe it's dumpster fire bowl in Moscow this week. I don't know. Dallas, you have any points before we close the bar? I just I know I have been a broken record here. I just want to reiterate again. This is what Brian and I think does not necessarily mean that the rest of Tubbs at the club thinks it. I also want to point out that Brian is a double alum. I am an alum. Like we do this stuff because we love this place. Like we may sound negative all the time. And I know that you and I both have this uh, stigma against us because we're also the guys that cover the basketball team that won one single game last year. Um, Not to rub dirt in my open wound, but it's not that I hate this school and that I'm always ripping on things. It's that I love this school and I want it to be, I want to be like the team that Montana is afraid to play. I don't want Montana to come in and be like, well, wonder if we're going to win by 20 or 30 this game. I want to be the team that people are terrified of. And like Patrick listening right now, I want to have an Eastern style team. I want 15 years of consistent, solid coaching, winning seasons every year i want to succeed and it just that's where this comes from so that's my i just i have to get that off my chest because i don't feel like i explain myself well enough when i'm constantly ranting and constantly negative it's because i don't think we can get to where i want to be right now i'm going to correct you so like i i know i i know that that is obvious obviously i feel can i correct you because i actually know a more simple interpretation Neither of us consider ourselves negative at all. We feel like we are talking about something that happened. If we're talking about Idaho wins, we sound pretty excited, like Portland State. What are we supposed to sound like after this? What are we supposed to sound like after the Zach Law season? Uh, we're, we're, we want good news, but honestly, we're, I do the show because I want to create the content I want to listen to, and I want the content about my team to reflect what actually happened. That's where I am, Dallas. Yeah, I, I, they, that works for me. That That's a good interpretation. Um, I just know that uh, I've gotten Twitter messages. Uh, we've gotten emails. Like, people have said it to me in person. I, I, I have the negative connotation, and I, I get it, because uh, it does seem like I'm, I'm always negative. But like you said, I'm always negative because that's what it feels like I'm seeing. So, Yeah, they're just wrong. So I'm going to say that that's the last word. Um, want to thank everyone for coming in this uh, episode, this part of around the bar, at least brought to us by 
Hughes River Expedition, our favorite sponsor. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't pass your, back, your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down Middle Fork and Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower, camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. I think that's around the bar, man. Yeah, uh, not enough drinks to really go around the bar uh, for this, but yeah, that was around the bar. Uh, again, shout out to Colin Hughes. Uh, tried to get me into the Lighthouse Center. It was uh, unfortunately not meant to be, but uh, great dude. Great to finally you know, put a face to uh, the sponsorship that helps keep the lights on. Oh, yeah, man. So you keep the lights on. Look, we we either talk about disappointing games like this, or we talk about nothing vandals. And uh, there's nothing di- worse than indifference. But uh, we're gonna call it that a night, man. Go vandals. Go vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals and the craft. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drink.